Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Joining with me, as always, is my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jay Hugh. Ian's, he'll be married or almost married by the time this episode comes out. So he's doing wedding stuff tonight. He couldn't join us, but congrats, Ian. Um, we are going to talk about a movie that came out 14 years ago, but has never, never left the water cooler talk. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Spider-Man three by Sam Raimi. Um, of course, starring all the same people from the prior two Spider-Man movies. Before we get into it, I, I am a little afraid that people, I mean, I don't know if afraid is the right word because it clicks or clicks. I'm not going to complain about it, that. There are going to be people who click on this because they think that when I, we talk about Spider-Man three, they mean this Spider-Man that's coming out like the day this, this episode comes out mm-hmm. uh, because it is the third one in the series. I, I hope that, that happens. <laughs> I think you should lean into that. Like the oh, no, title be like Spider-Man three, definitely the one you're thinking of. hundred percent. I saw, I saw a tweet the other day that was, do I have to see Spider-Man's one, two, three, one, two, one, and two to understand yeah. Spider-Man three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. But yeah, uh, this one is picks up Peter Parker at the beginning, living his dreams when everything, of course, falls apart as it always does. Um, and he comes into contact with some strange, I mean, symbiote. I mean, that's what it is uh, that gives him enhanced powers, but makes him very moody. Uh, also finds out the what he knew to be the his past with Uncle Ben is not true, and new villains and new stories were actually involved. Um, all of this leading up to a essentially the ending of Venom: Let There Be Carnage, but fourteen years before him. Do we want to say what we think of this movie? Are we treating this like normal? Or are we just talking about the influence this movie has had? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know. This is this is a retread for me. I I just went back and rewatched it, uh, and I think you you mentioned it at the very beginning. It's a it's a movie that's never left the water coolers. You know, I think generally, you know, I know there's a, a sense of recency bias in general, but I think even the most hardened critics would agree that. When they saw the first Spider-Man, they're like, oh, this is a really good movie. And then they saw Spider-Man 2 and they're like, oh, this is a really great movie. And then they saw Spider-Man 3. And uh, it was a movie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think I don't I don't really know. If, I don't remember how successful it was. I know it wasn't as successful as they wanted it to, but I still feel like it made hundreds of millions of dollars. I think that's correct. But for, you know, this was the nail in the coffin to, you know, the Raimi franchise he wanted to make a fourth one and and uh never made it past this one uh and you know a lot of people at the time and still now feel like it's justified based on spider-man 3 and so i guess i wanted to take this opportunity to go back and see if has time been kinder to this movie than we were when it came out well i know i think i know where hurt stands on this film and i'm excited to hear his reasoning behind it but uh i just before we really get into it i i i do think it's interesting because I want two things I want to talk about with this film real fast is that this is, the I think, the first case of really the Internet affecting a movie like there are. I've, I've read things where obviously Raimi wanted Sandman, but like Sony basically did an Internet poll of what was the most popular talk about Spider-Man villain and, and Venom one. And he got 
Venom got ham fisted into this movie or something. And I don't know if that's true, but it seems to make perfect sense with the product <laughs> we see. Um, the second thing is that for some reason, Spider-Man over just about any other character, I think, has just everyone, even, you know, the the faintest of comic book fan to the most diehard. They just relate to Spider-Man like he's the, the universal like that's the hero I would be character. And so it feels like these movies, Spider-Man movies in general, are, are is one of the most universal conversations we could have. Mm. And so everyone has an opinion. And I think we'll find hopefully over this, you know, next 20 or 30 minutes that I think the opinion on this movie is is not as extreme as it was 14 years ago. I hope. But that's all. That's all I'm going to say. Hurt. Well, I, I, unless Joseph has something. I, I do have something before we go because you, you've, you've led me into it. Uh, you know, I'd say I probably was maybe not super harsh, you know, like as harsh as the harshest person on this movie, but I probably would have thought of it as about equal to or worse than Transformers before rewatching it. But to Christian's point, he says that everybody has an opinion on this movie, but as so many things happen in the internet age, everybody kind of has the same opinions about this movie, probably influenced by things that they've heard from other people who have opinions on this movie, who they heard from other people. And so I know Hurt, as a, a defender of this movie, I was going to give you an opportunity. Are there just like canned responses, canned rebukes you have for common mm. Spider-Man 3 conversations Complaints. you don't yeah. like having? Definitely. I, before I get into it, I should just say uh, Jones brought up a thing about it that I agree with, but from a different point in that this was this was the first movie that I can remember that the Internet really affected. But when I say that, I mean the opinion, mm. Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. like I know I've told this story before on here, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to briefly do it again that I watched this movie like premiere night when it came out at the rave before I was living the life at the rave and you know sold out auditorium just full of people who had a fucking blast just like a community of people enjoying this fucking movie laughing and ooing and awing and it was really surprising to me with that within about a month everyone hated this fucking movie Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't really feel like that group of people in there were unique. Like, you know, people in Pensacola aren't very unique. They're pretty middle of the road dumbasses. So I, I don't know. I really think the way the Internet talked about this movie after it came out affected people's opinion of it. And to what Joseph just asked me, can response is the first one right off the bat. Uh, you and know, that, you know, her, here's what I would like you to do. Can what? you can you frame it in a way where we just you just give us the response and we, we just have to assume what the first thing was? OK, OK. There's no such fucking thing as emo Spider-Man in this movie. This is the <laughs> only movie that doesn't have emo Spider-Man in it. He has like an emo haircut at one point in it, but he's having a great fucking time while he had that haircut. It's the only Spider-Man movie that doesn't contain mopey Spider-Man. So it's like, it's a thing that the internet just decided was a problem with this movie, but it's not actually even in this fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. 
also that hairstyle was very in at the time. We related as emo, <laughs> but Zach Efron was rocking that haircut in 2007 and he was not emo. Right. Um, let's see. What's another one where, where I could just go into it? I think it's awesome that Harry, Harry Osborne gets hit in the head and then has a personality change. <laughs> when I watched this movie, everyone in the movie thought that shit was hol- fucking hilarious. That is that is premium comic book shit right there. Like, you know, it just from out of nowhere, getting a hit on the noggin and then suddenly having a personality shift. I loved that part. I thought it was fun. All right, I do, give, I, give us give us one more, and then we could actually get into the discussion. Yeah. Let, let me think one more, one more. I, okay, this movie is packed. They they obviously added on a bunch of shit because of focus group and shit like that, and deciding they should have Venom in it. But that turns out to be pretty fun. Uh, you know, Tover Grace's take on Venom is right now looking at it no more ridiculous than fucking Tom Hardy's take on Venom. <laughs> everybody was super upset about it at the time, but everybody for some reason loves it now. Well, um, I think I think at the hurt, the center of all of Hurt's points that people generally forget is that these are campy movies, not just this one. All three of them are camp. Like they're all cheesy, corny, ridiculous situations. And it's very apparent when you go back and watch them, because I, I did, I watched all three of them uh, that these were made by the guy that made evil dead. Like it, <laughs> it, it is very apparent. Um, but for some reason we hold this one to just, I don't know, a different standard. And I do think, I mean, Willem Dafoe and fucking Alf- Alfred Molina just, I mean, they just kill it in those first two films. And I don't think Thomas Aiden Church or Topher Grace hit those levels of iconic in those right. roles, but that's the only thing I can think of of why we hold it to some different standard as if the other two have been serious romps and a serious take on the character when they weren't. I mean, uh, to be fair, I think one of the things is this is the dorkiest Spider-Man. And I think it's not because he's inherently any more dorky than it is in the other ones, but he's confidently dorky in this one. Um, I think also a thing with this is, it might be that that first generation of internet kids, this is the first one they watched as an adult. Mm. You know, it's the first one where they watched where they weren't a complete fucking idiot. It was, it's one of those things where I remember when I watched it and you talk about how it's camp and how they've always been camp. But uh, I remember watching it at the time and being like, I don't think these scenes like, you know, the the hair flip, the dancing in the street scene, uh, the the dancing in the club scene is like, I don't think these play the way that the director meant them to play. And rewatching is like, no, those played exactly the way that you wanted yeah. them to play. <laughs> uh, Joseph, back to your earlier things of canned responses. The dance scene is fucking awesome. <laughs> that, that's what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> if you don't love the dance scene, you don't love fun. And, and you know what? If there was a dance scene in the current Spider-Man 3 with Zendaya and Tom Holland, people would lose their shit. They would. Sure. Yeah, they TikTok would. TikTok would fucking explode. What's interesting to me is I think, kind of going back to this idea that th- this is still very much in the same vein as the other two films. And Jay, you hit on this. That there's so much shit crammed in this. And I, and I do believe that the internet or Sony or whomever 
you know, really push for some of that extra shit in it. But again, that's always been the case. You watch Spider-Man one and fucking Kirk Connors name is dropped. <laughs> Otto's name, I think, is or not Otto. Uh, there's someone else that's fucking they're just their uh, name is just said. You hear Doctor Strange in right. Spider-Man two, like the idea that this movie, for some reason, is doing an obscene amount of world building is it's not doing any more other than those characters show up on screen for half a second rather than their names just being said. Uh, it and, and a lot of the jokes, the dancing scene, to me, that's no worse than like in Spider-Man 2 when he makes the my back joke and that's supposed to like be <laughs> referencing Seabiscuit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just very, I don't, I don't get what people see that's so shockingly different, I think, about this movie. Well, and even with just stuff that's like extra and out of place, nothing about that's more extra and out of place than the fucking cake scene in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. I still don't know why that was. In it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you touched on it. I, this movie is, I think, a little jam packed. It's a little too much, which I think. You know, I I don't think that was entirely Raimi's choice. I don't know how much we know about the studio behind the scenes things about how many characters he would want to have in the movie. But I am kind of surprised going back to it, like how much time we spend on each individual one and how much of an arc they each get and how much like like individual time in the sun every single villain gets um, as opposed to just feeling like a hot mess of just people right. thrown at you no it kind of does a pretty good job at I, I agree it kind of does do a pretty good job with it i tell you something else i like about this movie it's the only one of the three to take uh take use of the fact that canceled actor james franco has pretty great comedic timing yeah i mean i don't think james franco holds up in these movies now no. that you know like it's hard to go back for me to watch him and be like oh yeah i enjoy watching james franco on screen i don't right 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 I, yeah, I will say so. I don't. I don't enjoy. I. I always hated James Franco before he was canceled, just because he. He always looks like he's just about to break. Uh, that's the whole fucking shit. He reads lines like he just can't wait to chuckle it off later. Uh, but the shit eating grin he gives in the diner when uh, Peter turns around is like my fucking favorite face. It's just the most shit eating is shit eating grin. Uh, and for that alone, it, it's pretty good. I'm okay with that, that. That's exactly what I was talking about. Cause that again, I would, I would count that in probably like my top 10 of favorite experiences in a theater. Mm, yeah, when yeah. he does that thing and the, the crowd just went ape shit for it. It was just a good time. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad the internet's kind of brought that thing back too. Um, but I also feel like that's a really good moment to kind of make you believe that he is like Willem Dafoe's child. You know what I mean? Right, like it's right. such a shit eating over the top grin <laughs> that it's like every face Willem Dafoe makes in, in Spider-Man 1. Speaking of, of the comedy, how fucking funny is J.K. Simmons? It's He's outrageous, so isn't it? Yeah, like the, the, it's scene, stupid. the scene with him in the buzzer is just so funny. It's like that's just top notch physical comedy that I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't see that kind of those kind of <laughs> gags anymore, but they pull it off so well. Right. I don't I don't know that we will ever get better casting than, than that no, guy. Is Jay so Jonah Jameson. That dude was a perfect embodiment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, uh, another thing I think with this is, you know, the 
the popular lore is that, uh, you know, it failed. So Sam Raimi didn't come back for Spider-Man four, but I kind of call bullshit on that. I think at some point during the making of this, he decided not to come back or otherwise there wouldn't be the stupid tacked on ending. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably truth to that. I think, I think Sam Raimi was definitely in more control of not having a future than, than people claim it to be. Because, I, I mean, I really feel like the narrative of this movie has an end with, a, it seems like it would end with a sad ending of, of Peter and Mary Jane don't get together. Maybe Peter and Gwen does. But when it was decided that we were going to reboot, hey, let's just tack on a happy ending. Because, I mean, that ending seems like a different movie almost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Bryce is my girl, but Gwen is probably the character that annoys me the most in this movie. Um, other than, you know, old George Bush senior playing her dad. I'm glad that guy's in this film. Yeah, I, I I mean, he's one of my favorite actors. I love that guy. I, you know, I think the problem with Gwen in this is that since they had made, uh, Mary Jane Gwen in the first two movies, they had to try to make Gwen Mary Jane and it just didn't really work. That's a really great way to put it. Really great. Yeah. I I just don't know. I, it's, it's just very interesting to me. I wonder how this movie would be remembered if it came out a year earlier. Like if it didn't have the real test of, you know, because 2007 was probably the year that social media really broke through. You know, it was the year that your mom first heard about Facebook. And I think that really affected how this movie was perceived. Like people getting on the Internet and being able to make fun of this movie I think changed the way this movie was viewed, uh, you know, and I mean, I'm not, obviously I don't think making fun of movies is bad since that's what we're doing right now. But I just think this movie doesn't get a fair shake because of it. Well, hurt. Let me ask you, do you think that if it comes out a year earlier, right. Mm-hmm. And Raimi decides to make Spider-Man four, do you think Spider-Man four works in a world where the dark Knight and Iron Man one had already come out? Like his oh, version of Spider-Man. No, no, 100%. If it came out in like 2006 and then came out in 2008 with those movies, it would have been Hellboy the Golden Army. It would have been, <laughs> yeah. it would have been a good movie that no one gave a shit about. Yeah. You know, and here's the funny thing. I think those movies are very much of their time and I still think they absolutely hold up. But certainly if they came out today, I don't think it would, it would work. And it's, it's kind of weird. I don't know if maybe nostalgia is at the heart of that, but. Yeah, I think particularly when you go back and watch Iron Man, it really looks like the before four times, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I still enjoy Robert Downey Jr. riffing, but as far as the overall movie, it seems very much as not what it inspired, but what came before it. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I I do want to, I mean, we're we're here to talk about Spider-Man 3, but. I just I'm curious to hear what you guys think the amazing Spider-Man got wrong comparatively and then maybe what they've learned from both for the Marvel films. I mean, one of the things that I I wanted to talk about before we left Spider-Man three, which I think is like still unique to it that nobody else has really replicated. I don't know if that's just a Raimi thing, but like the tone is just so perfectly comic book in a way that mm-hmm. I don't really know how to understand. Like it just, it just leaves just the right amount of space for like emotional investment and also just ridiculousness and comedy. 
Um, like it leaves just enough room so that you can get grounded in the world, but also accept all of these ridiculous coincidences and whatever. Uh, and in a way that I don't feel like anything else has made the space for, I think most of the time you just try and ground it more. Um, I mean, that that's a good point. Ms. Raimi really, you know, he had no interest in modern Spider-Man. He liked the silver age shit. Mm -hmm. He really, was not embarrassed by the ridiculous stuff. He really wanted to lean into that shit. And I think that's part of what makes these three movies fun. Yeah, I would agree. There's certainly no fun in The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and where I think the Tom Holland ones are just pure fun, I don't think there's a lot of like drama in them per se, but they certainly don't embrace the camp or embrace the kind of cheesy, ridiculous nature that I think the Raimi films did so well i mean you know the, the best part about the uh about the uh what's this director's name john watt no john watts the new guy right what's the mark webb mark webb remember it he got hired because of his last name well i mean i think i've said this before on the podcast too but i remember after watching 500 days of summer i came out and literally the first thing i said is that was the best spider-man movie it just didn't happen to have any spider-man <laughs> And so I was psyched when this guy was hired for director. But, um, you know, and it has the best cast lead of all leads of all the Spider-Man movies. That that guy is Peter Parker and that girl is Gwen Stacy. But, you know, I mean, for me, the big mistake it makes is just being a reboot and being a little too serious. I think if it would just went forward and not tried to redo the origin and just told the story that it obviously wanted to tell going forward and maybe had a little bit more humor in it. Maybe had a little less of uh, trying to be Batman begins. It probably would have been okay, but I still enjoy watching those two leads act. Yeah. I mean, they have good chemistry in that movie. Um, I think to, to Christian's point earlier is, is, you know, Spider-Man is, is kind of like everyone's superhero, which is kind of funny, but um I think one of the things that I like in the Raimi ones is like, you know, the, the main thrust of the first one is he's trying to impress the girl next door. And one of the main things I really love that the Raimi one does that nobody has really done as much since is focusing on how fucking poor he is. Mm. Um, because like so much of it is just like a struggle to like, you know, uh, like buy a car. Like I love in this one, there's a bit where he like bought flowers for Mary Jane and then they're sitting right next to Harry's flowers, which are like seven times as big. Um, and I don't know, like those, those kind of things I feel like are there's, there's the grand Spider-Man stuff, but then there's also like these very, I think small relatable uh, struggles. Whereas uh, I feel like fucking uh, Andrew Garfield's struggle was, I need to find out more information about my secret agent appearance. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think this is a very Ian take. Um, the two things that the Raimi movies and the Garfield movies do so much better than the fucking Marvel movies is they show me fucking swinging. I get swinging scenes. Okay, yeah. actually, before uh, to to uh, augment on that, nothing's going to beat that fucking uh, Danny Elfman score. No, it's so it's great. So That's goddamn true. good. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane has ruined that guy's reputation with one offhanded joke. 
but fuck you if, if this isn't one of the best superhero scores of all time. Dude, it, it makes it makes me so mad how much the internet now shits on Danny Elfman. Correct. But he is incredible and does not get near the respect he deserves because Again, controversy. All of his superhero themes are actually yes, great, for sure. Dude, the Batman theme is so fucking good. It's it's just amazing to me how much like the just the sound, the sound of his, his theme sounds like web swinging. I don't right. I don't know how he did that, but it does. It really like it really puts you right there. I mean, you know, I I think uh, you know you said there's not enough swinging in the new ones. It's because he's never in fucking New York. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a real good point. I uh, once again, you know, I uh, I, we, I talked about this a few weeks ago where there was this like secret Comic-Con footage of Amazing Spider-Man one with like the perfect version of the lizard in live action uh, for Amazing Spider-Man two. Like, I think the very first trailer for Amazing Spider-Man two was like the best swinging sequence ever. Like it was just him swinging the entire trailer. And then none of those shots were in the movie. Right. And it made me so it makes me angry to this day because that was the best Spider-Man like visual sequence ever was that that one trailer for that pretty crappy movie. I, I think I think you bringing up how much of the stuff was in the trailer that wasn't in the movie kind of gets exactly what the problem with this movie. And I didn't these movies are and I didn't even think of it to now is that they learned the wrong lesson from Spider-Man three. Mm the lesson they did not learn from Spider-Man 3 is doing all this shit by committee is where things get fucked up. Trying to cram too much shit in because they think that's what people want is where shit gets fucked up. Yeah. No, I can see that. I think all of these movies, all the Spider-Man movies, because again, I've watched them all recently, probably are better than we give them credit for. I can defend any single one of them if I want to, but I am... I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm just thankful they exist at really at the heart of it. Maybe I'm just biased, but I think Spider-Man as a whole, there's not one of these movies where I feel like it's the Batman versus Superman of Spider-Man. That's true. Yeah, totally. No, I can have a good time watching any of these movies. You know, I'll say this. We talk about what the, what the amazing Spider-Man's maybe didn't get wrong. uh, Maybe got wrong. I think what the new ones get right is they don't dwell on the origin shit at all. They don't dwell on the details of how he gets from being nobody to Spider-Man at all. So that way, whatever your favorite Spider-Man is, this can kind of be that Spider-Man. 100%. Though to be fair, I don't know if they would have learned that lesson if Amazing Spider-Man didn't exist before it. Ooh, good point, Joseph. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is there anything else we want to do on Spider-Man three or the, the general Spider-Mans? No, I listen, if all the rumors are true and, and all three dudes are in this, this new movie, I'm going to be excited every time I see each one of them, you know, like again, maybe it's just bias, but I'm really, I really enjoy watching these films, even Spider-Man three, even amazing Spider-Man two. I have a good time with Spider-Man. There's no reason to be upset about that. <laughs> I, you know, I love to compare things to wrestling. And I really think if they all three are in it, which they are, <laughs> even though I've talked a lot of shit about Tobey Maguire and the build up to this, I think that he's going to end up being Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18. He comes in as the guy that you're ready to boo. And I think he's just going to kill it. I think he'll be great in it. My controversial take is that Tommy Maguire will be the Uncle Ben of this universe. Oh, shit. I hope you're right. 
That would be so fucking cool. Oh. Jones, you always come up with shit that I wish was right, and then it's never is. <laughs> I missed my calling as a screenwriter. 100%. Uh, well, cool. That's uh, Spider-Man 3. You know, Sam Raimi, if you want to make more superhero movies, please do. He did. Doctor what? Strange 2. Oh, wait. Sam Raimi's making Doctor Strange 2? I don't remember Fuck this. yes. Oh, You're right. a movie podcast. I, I, we talk about a lot of bullshit, you know? Dude, okay. he's the perfect... This is Before we move on, <laughs> this is a good thing to talk about, though. He is the absolute perfect fucking guy for this franchise. He is. True. And... Uh, God, I cannot wait to see what he cooks up. One, one other thing on Sam Raimi and superhero movies. I meant to have it done by this week, but I'm never bet, definitely going to have it done by next week. I'm going to rewatch Dark Man. Oh, dude. Yeah. Because I like, I, you know, the last time I watched that shit, I watched it on like VHS. And I remember I liked it a lot. But thinking back on it, I'm like, is that maybe the best movie ever? <laughs> so i'm gonna go back and check if maybe it's the best movie ever is I'm, that i've never seen it so we can put that on the docket for some time Dude, we down should the put road. it on the docket yeah. Yeah, it's it basically he wanted to make a shadow movie yeah and he couldn't so he invented his own superhero which is basically a universal monster as a superhero it's liam neeson as the lead francis mcdormand as the lead lady uh, the script is doctored by the fucking Cohen brothers. Hmm. So yeah, it's it. I think it would be worth us doing. Yeah, Liam Neeson is 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 so perfectly terrible. It's awesome in this movie, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, uh, is this how he is that what he had be, he did before Spider Man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is probably what got him the job. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. this is what got him the job. That's what I thought, but I yeah. don't want to say that definitively. Uh, I also have a last thing before we move on. I know we just talked last week about. Uh, the amazing Spider-Man having the best suit. But you know what? This is also a pretty good suit. The, really, all the suits have been pretty good. Right. Yeah. All the the rumor is, the one spoil is that there is a new suit that didn't leak in, in No Way Home, and everyone says, hands down, it's the best there's ever been. Which, it's hard to talk, because if there's any complaint I have about the Marvel films, it's that I do not like the suits we've gotten. Like, I'm so fucking tired of seeing the Iron Spider suit. Yeah. Um. That black suit we got for like three minutes and and far from home was really good. Uh, but I just generally not a fan of the Marvel suit. So hopefully they really knock it out of the park. I like the main one, but I agree. The, the, the fucking Iron Spider one looks like it should be airbrushed on the side of the van. It's too bright, too many colors. The only good moment is the instant kill moment in Endgame. Correct. <laughs> it's fucking perfect. Yeah. All right. That's Spider-Man 3. What have we been watching this past week, guys? Well, um, again, once you know, we skipped a week and I watched a bunch of shit, but I'm going to limit it to two things. Last time we did this, I talked about watching Tick, Tick, Boom. And since I was on a Jonathan Larson kick, I watched Rent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> that, that movie is bad. Um, it, it, you know, here's I have to ask this question. Is Chris is Chris Columbus a good director? <laughs> Do we just like the properties and we just ignore the shitty direction? Because I think we really need to start addressing these problems. That dude has got challenges. Bringing back the cast. Joseph said this a ton. Horrible mistake. Bringing back the cast and adding Rosario Dawson. Even a worse mistake. Um, I like Rosario Dawson. In this. I, I do not. I don't like her in anything. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Me and Rosario are going to fight one day. Uh, but listen, 
you know, it's still it's got a soft spot in my heart. I like the songs a whole lot. That's the thing. I like I like to pretend just imagine it's just a bunch of TikTok shorts that you're watching in a row mm-hmm. and not a movie. And it's OK. I think the second half is worse than the first half. Like it feels just way campier and cheesier. And the first half doesn't really feel that way. But I've watched so much stuff about the AIDS epidemic in the late 80s and early 90s that like, guys, I've I'm having nightmares about AIDS. That was a terrible <laughs> time to be alive. I'm so sorry. We lost so many beautiful people to this horrible disease. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have to take a break from AIDS content, though. I'm not watching Angels in America. I just it's just too much. I've consumed too much. The second thing that I, I watched and I'm excited to talk about because very rarely do I get vindicated for my bad opinions. <laughs> I, I think they're great opinions. And then I have Joseph to back me up. So I feel like they're even better opinions. But about a year ago, the first trailer for a movie I finally watched came out. And that movie was Cruella and Joseph and I were the sole people on the internet who were like, this looks pretty fun. And everyone shat on it. And then a whole bunch of people watched it and they all told me, hey, Jones, you're right. This movie's pretty good. And I never made time for it. And you know what? I was fucking right. That movie (laughs) rocks. Um, It's very much just, you know, kind of the Devil Wears Prada meets Ocean's Eleven. Like, I mean, it's it's there's there is consistent heist throughout the movie but it's hard for me to say it's like a guy Ritchie heist movie um i mean devil wears prada mixed with oceans 11 is already a solid pitch that's kind of what it is i mean it's not it's like it's like 40 percent each of those things you know what i mean like it's it doesn't really go too heavy in either one direction but it's pretty good i mean and what's her face gwen stacy emma stone she fucking kills it I mean, she is so good. And the soundtrack just fucking kicks. If you are into like the late 60s, early 70s, like just post introduction to like Brit rock in the United States kind of music, this is for you. Uh, Great, great fucking use of sympathy for the devil. Like, like that's a song that makes perfect sense in making a movie whose last name is DeVille. Mm. And it just never would have dawned on me. <laughs> but in that moment, it totally fucking works. Um, I, and it's not like, I mean, people, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want the Disney's Joker. It's nothing like the Joker. It, it, it literally is so much more a joy to watch. Um, it's not perfect. It's kind of drags in the middle. But for the most part, I think this movie fucking kicks uh, way better than Transformers. That's it. Cool. Right on. I just want to say, first of all, I'm a little tipsy, so that's why I thought AIDS was funny. <laughs> I didn't hear you laugh, but <laughs> I, I did. And, you know, I, I didn't mean it. I just I've had a couple drinks, whatever. So, um, uh, first of all, guys, in, in a world without Santa Barbara, I've gotten so fucking bored that I tried to finish Daredevil. <laughs> oh, no. The Netflix one? The Netflix one. Yeah. It's so like, you know, like the people, Charlie Cox is good. Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio is great, but it's just so goddamn boring. It's like these guys read some old school comics and read the part where they would have the thought balloons over their head, where they would over explain their every single action and movement and thought, man, that's the part we want to bring to the screen. 
but take out the action and the movement. <laughs> I was about to say, canonically, as of like two weeks ago, that was your favorite style of comic book, but apparently not your favorite style of TV show. Well, yeah, I mean, I do love, I do love that old school type writing, but even I skipped the thought balloon. <laughs> the thought balloons are just for, you know, exposition if you didn't buy the last issue. And I did. So, um, I do have a question. Are, are we, are you saying, have you ever watched the third season of Daredevil or that's what I'm on right now? Yeah. I'm on I never watched it. I never, never tried it. I, you know, I, I don't know. All these shows are just so like mopey's not even the right word because they're all trying to be funny and crack jokes and stuff. It's just so it's boring. It's just boring. I really, I, I, I was about to say I like all the people in it, but I don't. I just like Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. Pretty much most everybody else in it sucks. Uh, I remember in the first season, I kind of liked the guy who played uh, played Foggy, but he's gotten worse somehow. Yeah, I, I don't recommend this shit. I'll probably try <laughs> to finish it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's good that these shows got fucked by Disney. Disney doesn't always <laughs> do everything right, but they, they did it right with this. Also, one more thing. I finished uh, the Sunny podcast. It's fucking great, but there's one part of it I wanted to address, and that's that I went into the wrong fucking career. There is a part in it where uh, Glenn Howerton uh, is talking about when he was trying to book as a commercial actor. Apparently, Charlie Day had really big success as a commercial actor, and he at one point tried to become successful as that. So he goes in to meet this commercial agent, and the commercial agent sits down, looks him over for a long time and says, BHB. And Howerton's like, "What? I, I don't understand. What are you talking about? I said BHB. I, I don't know what that means. And then he says back, big heads book. <laughs> and do you guys know anybody with a bigger fucking head than me? I mean, hey, you know, it's a good point. But anyway, that's all I got. I <laughs> there's still there's still time hurt. There's uh, still time. That's true. There is. You, you do need old guys in commercials, too. There you go. Let's see. I haven't watched too much stuff. Again, I'll get to the anime someday, but not today. Um, they did do, uh, the succession ended an episode earlier than I was expecting it to with only nine episodes this season, uh, which I've talked about enough on this show. I followed a similar convention to, uh, the last few seasons where there's like a very urgent seeming threat at the beginning of the season and actually not actually things, but more exciting things happen at the beginning. And then it kind of tapers off and they, it just as it's slowing down like a little too much. They really crunch it right at the end for, with a cliffhanger. It's a great show. I don't know. It's it's amazing how interesting it is when literally nothing fucking happens. But uh, the only other, the, my final pitch, and again, this is specifically for Hurt, uh, but for also for anybody, there is a very direct like character to character comparison to this particular rich fuck, you know, not knowing what they're doing family to the other rich fuck not knowing what they're doing family that is the Bluths. Uh, so if, if if that is not enough of a, a, a connection, Arrested Development right. is is obviously like a straightforward comedy. Just imagine if they like just leaned a little harder on the drama side. It's still I a mean, comedy, but definitely you keep in your pitches for this show laying out the catnip for hurt. One hundred percent. That is <laughs> the intent. I, I think I probably have to try it. Good. 
Um, and then the only other thing I want to talk about is uh, another podcast that I'm on. I convinced my our buddies over at uh, Broke Box Office to do a movie that I have very strong feelings about, uh, which was free on Tubi, which is 2004's Troy. Uh, it's it's not a it's not a well remembered movie. It was not beloved at the time. It is currently at a certified rotten status on Rotten Tomatoes, and I love the shit out of this movie. Uh, so if you want to hear me defend why this movie is way better than people give it credit for, that episode should be coming out in the next day or two or three. I don't know when they fucking release the things. The only thing I want to talk about about this movie that I don't already talk about on that podcast that I forgot is Eric Bana has just like this sweet, sweet curly mullet uh, that we don't talk about enough. Uh, <laughs> and I know that sounds like I'm making fun of it, but I swear to God, I'm not. It's really fucking awesome. Eric Bana was never cooler than he was in that movie. That's exactly. a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. I, I'm about to lay down my most controversial opinion I've probably ever put on this podcast. You just laughed at AIDS, bro. <laughs> this will be worse, I guarantee Troy is better than 300. I mean, look, I'm with you. I don't entirely disagree with that. So I, I get that. That would have been that would have been a controversial opinion like 10 years ago when I yeah, was I guess 20. people have soured on, or actually what people have done is just forgotten 300. God, uh-huh. they were ape shit for it at one point, And then it just kind of like who gave a shit. Anyway, That's very true. Troy's a good movie. It's for free on Tubi if you want to watch way too many ads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also written by uh, the Game of Thrones guy. Who knew? What? It's written by David Benioff. No way. Yeah. Mm. That kind of uh, makes sense. It doesn't. Yeah, it? I, can, I can see that. Yeah. Oh. So better than Transformers, both that and Succession. Man, that I don't want to talk about this. Don't want to talk about Troy forever. But that scene with Brad Pitt and he's in the the like the temple uh, and they right after he takes the beach before everybody else. He's so badass. He's just so cool. <laughs> But he's also the worst. Yeah, but he's great. I know. Yeah, I think this movie is underrated. Well, I'm so glad that makes me happy on the inside. Uh, there's it's it's weird because this movie is rated R, and I spent the whole time trying to figure out why. It's why R. exactly? Because there's like there... there's blood, but there's not that much blood. The are like, there tits the, in it? The, the biggest curse that anyone has is calling someone else a sack of wine, and <laughs> there's like a, there's a lot of skin. But not like the interesting parts. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really feel like this movie would have been remembered if this was the one where we got to see Brad Pitt's penis. Oh, for sure. For but sure. Anyway, that's Troy. Uh, check out Broke Box Office if you want to hear a lot more thoughts about Troy. Uh, but that's it. Uh, well, the big one. Yep, next, next week. Next week is the big one. If by the time this comes out, the movie will already be out. Uh, and the internet will have spoiled it for you. 100%. <laughs> Stay safe out there, guys. But uh, we're doing Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't know. It's probably my most anticipated movie of this year. I know there hasn't been that many things this year. But if there was one movie that we did all year, it would just be this one. Yeah. This, yeah. this is definitely the first movie I've seen in a while that, or that I'm going to see in a while that isn't a chore. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> So join us next week for that. In the meantime, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Watch the rainy Spider-Man movies. They kick ass. Uh, and then watch all the other Spider-Man movies because there aren't really any. I mean, look, I, I, don't, I can't get into it, but just do whatever. Do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. <laughs> exactly. If uh, you want to get in touch with us, tell us other episode suggestions like Darkman. 
or adjacent type films, uh, you can reach us at uh, realphonies.gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram, real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. Later.